All right, thanks for uh, checking in with another episode of Getting Your Life Back with uh, me, Cade Cooper. I think um, this is episode 14. I have Susie Jensen here today. Um, I'll introduce her more in just a minute. Um, I, I just wanted to talk about a couple things. I, uh, if you follow me just particularly through YouTube and not on social media as much, last week I had uh, Casey Scott, a reporter with KSL, reach out that does a wonderful program called Project Recovery. Casey's in recovery himself um, and he's been doing it for quite a while and he shares a lot of episodes with people that specifically related to recovery from addiction. So this podcast is not specific to recovery addiction. Um, the title is Getting Your Life Back and you know we do that in a lot of different ways. But I went on and did my episode last Tuesday. You know when I shot my first episode, if you, if you see it, I think it's two through four. It's, it's interesting to share your life without any interaction just to a camera and uh, I, I haven't seen it in a long time but you, but you certainly pick up things but uh, I, I you know I haven't seen the episode yet Casey is is an incredible guy um, we, we hit it off right away we're pretty similar the way that we are we're both in recovery he also has a therapist he's got his doctorate works up the year you named Matt that brought a really neat element into it so so I will um, this week I think it launches on Tuesday I'll post a link to my social media. Um, he mainly does it through podcasts. It's kslpodcast.com. Um, also, if, uh, and it's Project Recovery. Also, if you want to check it out, you can check it out. They do have a YouTube channel. Um, they don't promote that as much, but sometimes it's kind of interesting to do that. But it was, it was a neat experience for me because it just felt like a, more organic for me, and it's, it's more like a conversation. For me, I do my best feeding off other people's energy and, and in conversation. So, you know, I, I, I think I was able to articulate a little bit better what I'm trying to do here, um, you know, talk about some of the stuff in my life. And a lot more of my personality came out. Um, as I've done this, um, you know, the way that this came to me was actually through a priesthood blessing from my bishop to do this. And uh, the last few episodes have been fairly polarizing and there's not been a lot of um, room for too much personality, but I think they were important, important topics. But I encourage you to check out um, my episode, but just in general to check out what Casey Scott is doing with KSL because it, it, it's incredible. Um, and I, they've got a great um, dynamic between him him and the doctor there. So anyway, um, today I have, I have Susie Jensen on. I've known Susie for a while. I, I just want to start this off with, you know, as I bring on guests, Susie's actually, you, you are the first guest I brought on where I don't know your story. Oh, <laughs> so, so this this will be new and fun for me too. Um, you know, honestly, this whole thing has just been praying and intuition, right? Because I'm just trying to share, hey, this is how I've healed. These are things that I've done, and then you know, bringing on uh, people like Susie to share different ways um, that they've healed. So there was no uh, thing of, hey, I want you to talk about this. I want you to do this. I, you know. I just, I've talked with Susie enough that I understand she has an incredible value. And, you know, for me, I shot an episode just barely and it talked about the manipulations men will use with women. Um, I will do one where I have a woman on and talk about manipulations women use with men. I promise you I am not on an all-out war against men. Uh, I've been accused of it. That's, that's not the point. But I'm not a woman and just don't feel comfortable talking about that. But I think so far on the channel, I think this is number 14, we're about due to have 
another girl on. So, you know, Susie and I have talked at length about therapy. She's, she's very intelligent. She understands a lot of stuff. So I'm excited to have her on. She's also beautiful. Uh, one funny story I'm just going to share, and Susie already knows what it is. But we were at Lake Powell like a month ago, and we were all upstairs, and you know, there's like six or seven guys, and we're in conversation with, with different girls, and, and Susie walks up, and she's, she's in a very tasteful, one-piece, complete white bathing suit, but it just, I've never seen where all the conversations just stopped, and every man stopped talking to whoever they're talking to, and looked at Susie, and then we all just looked at each other, and there was just a pause. So, her presence was noted. Um, Susie's a wonderful lady. She's a wonderful woman. She's, she's smart. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's put a tremendous amount of work into her. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to tell when you hear her talk. So, Susie, if you want to start off however you want, tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll just go from there. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Cade, <laughs> for that introduction. I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So my story, uh, it's interesting that you brought up that, that story of the swimsuit because... Um, it's kind of hard to forget. <laughs> well, I, I haven't always been in the space of feeling confident and comfortable in my body and in my skin because um, I remember growing up and, you know, going swimming and I was, you know, young, you know, have my swimsuit and I'm just not wanting anyone to see me or look at me and feeling a lot of, um, it was something more, more than shyness around. You think it was insecurity or A shame lot of in insecurity, or? shame. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just not wanting to be seen, afraid of being seen. And yet my personality is such that I, I, I actually enjoy being in the spotlight. Yeah. every once in a while kind of so, <laughs> so <laughs> um there's a vein side too but um but i that was something that i've wrestled with um and um i i was surrounded by beautiful my mother is beautiful she's a beautiful woman and i've always thought she was beautiful and um and i wondered why she didn't always see that in herself and as, as a mother and, you know, raising my kids and wanting to offer them not something more. And I think with, as parents, we all feel that way. Like, this is what my parents gave me and now I want to take that and I want to add more. I want to make it better. And um, so I wanted to add that to my kids, for my kids, but knowing that I didn't have it myself. Um, while I was married, I did not... I did, you know, when my husband would tell me I was beautiful, I, there was a, I didn't believe it. And, um, it was, it was a wrestle for me and I wanted to feel confident. I wanted to feel, um, comfortable, but I, I didn't feel that way. You know, it reminds me of one of my favorite, it's actually a book that uh, they made a movie called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, I've heard, yeah I've heard of that. And so the kid's talking to Paul Rudd as the teacher, and this girl's dating people that, you know, had treated her bad, but he asked, why do people do that? And, you know, 
I think the answer is we accept the love we think we deserve. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I, but does it seem like that? To absolutely, where, absolutely. You know, although the, it, it sounds like he was respectful and he meant what he said, but mm -hmm. if he didn't feel worthy of it, it felt. Exactly, and I, I, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't accept what people were saying about me. And it was one, because I was looking for validation outside of myself. And anytime I did that, I realized that I was so dependent on that, that I would ride the roller coaster because sometimes you're high and sometimes you're low. Right. And so, um, and, and that's, that's a very vulnerable place to be because you don't feel like you have control over who you are. And so as I started to realize, and, and that was a big part of my marriage, I was very codependent. So, you know, if, if, whatever my husband thought of me, it was, I would just take that on myself and whatever people thought on me. So I was working so hard, so, so hard to be loved, to be valued and thinking that I had to earn, earn people's love and affection. And so, um, and it wasn't until after I was divorced that I realized that I had to think of myself in a different way. And I knew that I wanted to be confident, but I didn't know how to get to that space. And, um, and it wasn't until I read an affirmation on a card that just said, how I see myself, this is summarizing, but how I see myself is how others will see me. And, and if I love myself, then I'm, I'm giving people the opportunity to see what I, what I see. And I realized that I actually do have control over how people see me. It's just that I, um, I have to, it all starts with me. And so I started to do the work. And affirmations didn't stick at first. I don't know if people have done affirmations before, but you feel like you're lying to yourself forever. Like they say, look in the mirror. And I had those moments where I'd get emotional and I'd feel like, oh, that feels good. But I had to do some major belief shifting about who I was to get into the space where I really, really owned it. And there were layers there. Um, so I did affirmations. I worked on that. I journaled a lot. I... Um, I did visualizations of, you know, showing up feeling confident, you know, I'd listened to podcasts and Ted talks on, on confidence. And I'm realizing now that this was a big journey for me <laughs> as it's coming out. I thought, wow, this is more than I, I realized, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, Susie, cause, and I don't speak for myself, but before I understood psychology and stuff, I would have looked at a, a girl like Susie and said, she, she's beautiful. She, she's, she's smart, she's engaging, she's confident, she's outgoing, her life's good. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> at the time, I probably could pick up more now that I understand human behavior a lot more, but I would have never thought, right? Like, mm -hmm. her life's good, and I think, you know, sometimes we can, because society in general, especially with women, it's, it's so fixated on what you look like, yes. and, you know, and it's starting to become that way with mm -hmm. men too, but, you know, I, I, part of, I think, what's fascinating is, you know, regardless of what other people think or feel, you know, understanding that, you know, everyone has their battles and everyone suffers, you know, sometimes riches can be one of the biggest trials mm -hmm. in the world. Absolutely. Right? I know yeah. people that are worshipped for the way that they look. Um, some guys I know that are just, just extremely attractive guys and they are just done with having women say they're attractive because that's all there is too. So it's, it's interesting. I think it's just important to realize when we see people, right? Just because I, I have heard a lot of women mention things about certain women that they viewed as very attractive. And you know, there's the insinuation that their life's not hard because mm -hmm. of that. So, yeah. 
No, it, uh, there it's pick your heart, right? Everyone's got hard stuff. And, um, and as I have been stepping into feeling more comfortable and confident in who I am, I do deal with people who just, they, they'll look at me and they'll perceive me as, well, she's attractive. And so she's there for A, B, C, D and, or they'll make assumptions about me. So I think it's, it's just, it just goes to show that we can't really make assumptions about anyone, even with what we're seeing. And, um, so yeah, so I, I had to make some belief shifts and I feel like it's been an evolving process, but I feel, um, one of, one of the things that really helped was I have a dear friend and, um, anytime someone would pay me a compliment or she would pay me a compliment, I, my, my response would be to just reject it or to downplay it or to not receive it, not fully receive it. And, um, it would upset her so much that she would just vehemently say, stop. Yeah. And that's the voice I hear in my head. The moment, the moment, and, and I hear it for other people too. When they start to do that, I'll say, stop it. That's not true. <laughs> So, because it isn't true, and I, I, if we could only see ourselves clearly for who we really are, and um, because I believe that what you see is is not the full picture. It's who we are on the inside that's that that is. That's what we're really seeing. And if you see a person that's comfort comfortable and confident, maybe their hair is not perfect, or maybe, but it it. You feel you feel who they are from the inside, and um, anyway, so since she's done that for me, I've felt like I want to do it for other people, and and so people who know me get used to hearing that. Stop it! Yeah. You don't get to talk about yourself like that. <laughs> well, I love I love the transformation because you said something that kind of stuck. You said you know people perceive me, and they didn't even say as a beautiful woman. Susie can acknowledge she's a beautiful woman now. The old me would have never said that about myself and I view myself as a handsome man, but I would have been like, that's arrogant, that's mm -hmm. conceited. Right. I don't say that right. Mm -hmm. you, you tell me something good, I either downplay and be like, well, yeah, you know, but I've got this or this, or I shoot back a compliment to you right yeah. away. Oh, but you're good that way. And Deflecting. It's, it's an invalidation of the person's compliment, yes. right? Yes, yeah. When I speak at different things, like people will come up and, you know, I've learned to just say thank you. Yeah. And, and you know what, it just... It helps people feel so much better, but that's a that's a radical shift that you're mm -hmm. explaining from where you are now. So before, you know, I'd love to st go into kind of the different modalities that created, you know, this this paradigm shift. But why why was it that you wanted to change? I wanted to change because um, I didn't want to be dependent on other people for how I felt about myself. That was probably the biggest thing. And, um, and I wanted to feel that resilience that you feel when you're not depending on what other people think or say about you, because it was, it was such a burden. Anyone who is constantly reacting to how other people see them, it's a burden. It's a huge burden that you carry around and you feel like you're constantly trying to cater to what other people want you to say and think and act and do and dress and all of those things. And that's a huge burden to bear. And I knew that if I was going to fulfill my purpose and, you know, as in my life, I had to, I had to stop that behavior. And, um, plus I just wanted to, I wanted to love myself for who I was. 
And because I, I, another thing that I craved in my marriage was to feel loved. Well, the problem is you don't feel loved if you don't love yourself. So, you know, even though my ex-husband made efforts and strides and through words and gifts and, and action really tried to offer that to me, I did not feel loved. Um, but that's on me, right? Because I didn't love myself. So the parts of me that I had rejected didn't feel loved and valued. So how does that process go as you start to shift in, into self-love and being able to accept stuff? What, what? I had to get from this place of defining what's ideal. And in this, in this world, there are so many ideals out there. You've, your waist has to be this small, your butt has to be this big, your chest has to be this big, your teeth have to be this color. I mean, the list goes on, right? And um, I think one of the biggest shifts what happened when I was at a meditation retreat. It was a silent retreat. And um, it was the first retreat I'd ever been to before. And my goal in signing up was, I wanna learn to meditate, so I'm gonna sign up for a seven day meditation retreat. Um, I'd done a few meditations off of YouTube, but this was a big step for me. And I didn't read the fine print that says, you'll be silent the whole time, not just while we're in meditation. So that was, a, <laughs> that was a wake up call for me. So I got there and I had only talked to a handful of the people that were there. There were like 25 people there. And, um, and I'd gotten to know their names and a little bit like where they were from. And then it was like, okay, hey, it's time to start the meditation retreat. We're going into noble silence is what they called it for the duration of the seven days. And the only talking that you were allowed to do was if you wanted someone to pass you the salt and you had to whisper it. So it was very, it was, um, it was just, it was a totally different experience. Now the goal for that is that you're reducing the external stimulus. So what's going on inside you can actually bubble up mm -hmm. to the surface and it's almost to the point of screaming at you. And I remember it was about day three and my brain was going crazy because I was trying so hard to gauge what is that person? Who is that person? I don't even know what they, you know, I don't even know if they have kids. I don't know what they do for work. No one knows me. They don't know that I have five kids. They don't even know that I'm funny. Cause like in my head, I'm like thinking about these people need to know. They need to know. <laughs> I'm thinking about all these jokes. You know, we're all eating. It's quiet. We're all sitting around this table. No one's saying anything. We're like looking at each other and just eating their food. And I get up to go get more food because the food was amazing at this retreat. And I come back outside and I wanted to say, hey guys, what I miss? Because no one's talking. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm so funny. And then I thought, dang it, they don't even know I'm funny. So it was, it was like the third day that I realized that all of my labels, my hair color, my how many kids I have, my gifts, my talents, the things that I do, all those things that I was striving so hard to derive value from, didn't matter and that there was a deeper part of me that didn't have any of those labels and that that deeper part of me was my eternal self and that it that was the part of me that mattered the most and um it was such such an awakening for me to see that and to know that about myself that i realized that i've been putting all this effort into these labels that that aren't really relevant to who I am. Yeah, I, <laughs> wow.
there, there's so much I love about that, you know, and, and a silent retreat's actually a new thing to me. That, that's, that's extremely interesting. Like, I was at church today and like, you know, just hammering things and just trying to be quiet and look at the phone. I'm like, not going to look at the phone. I can look at the phone. And, you know, a lot of my stuff's derived from, from interactions, right? And connection yeah. I tend to thrive on. But from, from what I'm hearing, it seems to think at about the third day, there was maybe this acceptance that, hey, I'm not going to be able to perceive that way. And so did, did, did it help with you getting out the other voices? Because I guess these people couldn't get a true idea of who you were. No, no. And here's what, this is embarrassing, but I, I, everyone had the opportunity to meet with um, the instructor and he's an amazing person. Thomas McConkie. So if you ever get a chance to go to his retreats. Where are his retreats at? Um, they're up in Oregon. Okay. And the one I went to, the first one they held it in Salt Lake, okay. but it's through Lower Lights. Okay. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it because I've been to two of those retreats, but. I, I will um, do one already. Yeah. Well, um, I'm gonna see if Thomas McConkie can keep me quiet for three oh, days. Oh, he's, he's amazing. His work and cut he's, out. He's a master meditator. That's so. awesome. Um, anyway, I remember meeting with him and this, like I said, this is so embarrassing, but this was the kind of brain space I was in and I go and I talk to him and I start to just unload because this is my opportunity to finally just unload what's going on in my brain. And it was just like, I was making assumptions about people and what they were thinking about me. And it was just so, and I could just see his face, like looking at me like, wow. <laughs> Where is this coming from? <laughs> and as it's coming out, I'm like, this is sounding so crazy coming out of my mouth, but this is so my reality right now. And, and I wanted to fix it. I wanted it to go away. And so I just thought he can help me. I'm going to get it out. And as I, I fully unloaded, he was just like, yeah, I'm not. And in the most gentle way, just saying like, I, I don't think that that's how it really is. And yeah, like he was so gentle about it. And I came out of that thinking like, oh my goodness, I, I have been putting all of my time, energy and focus in the wrong things. The things that I thought were going to elevate me. It sounds like part of it too is, is the standard, right? That we think is universal, right? Yes. And, and being single, Susie and I are, you know, single again. Yes. And you know, <laughs> I'll have women ask me all the time, what's your type? And, and a lot of times, is it blonde or brunette? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but some guys prefer a blonde or brunette. I really have no preference, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. My therapist is probably 5'7", and his wife's 6 foot. Really? And he went, has her wear the 4-inch the four high heels every time he goes out, and I, I love it. Oh, yeah. I need I, to talk to her, because I'm 5'11". I, I, I love it, right? <laughs> and, but, but for me, it, it would be the same, right? And like... For me, I don't care if a woman makes more money. In fact, that's just a plus. Like, right. I like money. You can make more than me. I'm not threatened. It just means my income level is higher so I can buy more things. Right. So I'm, I'm fine <laughs> that way. But I, I, I think from a man's perspective, when women are hearing this right, you get a perception of maybe that girl, mm -hmm. right? A yeah. And before you do your work and stuff, you see the attention that that girl's getting, yeah. right? And then you'll maybe see a certain amount of girls that have the same characteristics and they're yeah. getting a certain type of attention. So, yeah. you know, in your mind, it's, 
in order to get that same attention, that's the standard. That's what I have to. That's what I have right. to look like. Yeah. And so it sounds mm -hmm. like kind of deconstructing that because I, I talk with guys all the time about what they want, and it mm -hmm. shifts so much, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, it, it sounds like that was an amazing way for you to kind of start to break through some of that stuff, you know, and, and realize, hey, it's maybe I'm not saying it right. It's not how people perceive me, it's how I perceive myself. Absolutely, yeah. And I learned, I started to see at, in that moment, and it, it's, been, it's been a journey since that point, and I've been applying it in other areas, but really, whenever you have a problem, we wanna fix it from the outside. And you can't typically fix a problem from the outside, you've always gotta go inward first. And so I've been learning to go inward when I'm frustrated with something out here, and as soon as I do that and I make the shift, that's when things on the outside shift. Could you do that, a process of that? If I throw yeah. out, I'll throw out something sure. stress that I would think a normal woman during sure. the day, right? Sure, absolutely, yeah. Let's make this fun. So let's say a girl gives you a backhanded compliment. Okay. And you think you know her intention from it, right? Right. It, in the past, before you did all that work, would that have an effect on you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would totally derail me. Okay. I would be like, what? I've been trying to please. <laughs> I, 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 I see it. By, by, you know, this brings me to a point. By the way, like people have been talking to me at times as I do this. They're like, Kate, are you communicating to me through that episode? I am not passive aggressive <laughs> at all. At all. I promise you. Though some of my instances may involve people I know. I never mention who they are. And uh, if I'm trying to relay a message to someone, I'll just... I'll, I'll relay it. Yeah, to you, I'll right? just take it directly to you. I, I that, will. That's the plan, right? But you know, I, I do hear how, especially you know, men are a little more insidious. You know, they, they rarely are going to say things up front, but they, they tend to slide things under the table or, or send yes. little messages, especially the guy like me. But, but but you know, back to you. So you get a backhanded compliment or a backhanded, maybe passive aggressive comment that's sure. not nice. Yeah. What's your process of not letting that affect you um, long term? Great, great question, and I like the I like the long term on the end because it, it always it always sure. affects you initially, sure. right? And um, because whatever people tell me, I like to check it. You know, did you know maybe they're right? Maybe I need to work on this. Maybe I need to think more this way, or maybe and and I like to stay open because that's how I get better, right? Sometimes somebody some people have feedback for me, and maybe the way that their their delivery isn't kind. But maybe there's something that, that um, okay, let me back up. People's perception matters. And what I mean by that is how they are seeing and experiencing something, that matters, even if it's not the truth. Right. Um, because you can't change a person by just giving them the truth. You have to work with them where their perception lies, okay? So um, in this case, if someone were to say something passive aggressive to me, at first, I'd, you know, yeah, I'd be like, wow, you know, maybe they're right. Or I'd, I'd go through that line of questioning. Um, and recently I learned that, you know, I'm, I try really hard to be like Jesus and I'm not perfect, She's obviously, but I'm really trying hard. But it recently occurred to me that, you know, if, if someone's going to give me that kind of a state, you know, say that something to me. And if I turn to my friends and I'm like, hey, this person said this to me, it's, it. It's in my mind, it's two wrongs don't make a right, right? Because here I am gossiping about this person and now that person's like, wow, they're rude, like, right? So I, 
And Jesus had a lot of terrible things said about him, and he was misunderstood astronomically. And yet he, he didn't, I'm sure he didn't go and be like, hey, that guy just called me, you know, because the whole reason I would have done that was for them to say, oh my gosh, she's crazy, right? She's wrong. And, and to validate my own self-concept. So one, if someone says something to me, and if I'm doing that behavior, that's telling of how insecure I feel mm -hmm. in, in about that particular thing. And if I'm lacking security, then that's my, that's something I need to work on. So, you know, say they say something about, I don't know, you know, it could be about my appearance or my talents or something like that. That's something. And if I am having an insecurity around that, then I have to do the work to shore that up. So next time that happens, then I'll be able to be like, oh, you know, yeah, you feel that way. And I know that I'm okay. Because it's like if someone said to you, you know, it, something they that's totally irrelevant. Like if they just everything. said like, you know, you look like a monkey or something. You're like, I don't Heard look that. like a monkey at all. Actually, no, that's not even true. But, but you know how ridiculous it is. And it, it doesn't even, it just slides off of you. Mm -hmm. So when you have that belief and that belief is so solid about who you are, those kinds of things just slide off of you. But if there's a part of you that believes it, it, it won't slide, it sticks. And um, so the things that stick, that's on me. I have to go in and think, okay, where is the sticking and why does it hurt? Mm -hmm. Because it should just slide off of me because right. I believe that I have value. So, so they've, they've triggered you, right? So I, I like that too. I think too often we are just live a life where we're afraid to be triggered, right? Yes. We, we try to put ourselves in a bubble. I don't want to be triggered because that makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, if, if, if you don't get triggered, how, how do you know where you need to grow? Right? Exactly. At this point, like my temper, I was in the middle of five boys, like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fly and it was almost immediate. And right. you know, at this point, it's extremely hard to get me upset. Yeah. Extremely hard. And if you can, my hat's off to you because I'm not going to give my peace away that, that easy. Right, but your I, serenity. I, yeah. I love the process that you've mentioned, right? Because, hey, it, it sounds to me like what you're saying, if I'm summarizing, is if, if it has no bearing, it just doesn't matter. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, you look like a monkey. No, I don't. I look beautiful. Whatever, right? Right. But if it triggers something in there, then there's at least maybe something that's true about it or it's, it's doing something. So I like how you explain the process of it. And at the same time, maybe trying to understand where they are and honoring their perception mm -hmm. is their reality, even if it's not reality, you know, and, and then not being upset at them. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, growing from the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's very good. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's a, it's natural to take criticism in different ways. I, you know, with this project, I get, um, a lot of feedback all the time. This thing I do, I do all the time, all the time. <laughs> it's like, quit doing that all the time. But it's, it's, it's just interesting because for me, like, if I'm doing something wrong and you legitimately believe I'm doing something wrong and you don't believe it's good for me, please tell me. Mm -hmm. even, if it, even if it cuts me to the core, in fact, the major shifts in my life have been those moments when someone's been like, Cade, they're honest. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This mm -hmm. is what you're doing. This is what's going to happen. And some of those behaviors cut me to the core, but they produced the change necessary in order for me to not continue that behavior. Yeah, 
Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think honesty is really powerful, and um, but it hurts at first, yeah. always. It seems like any good thing does. Yeah. Therapy, any change. <laughs> you want to change, you're going to experience some uncomfortableness immediately. Yeah. Susan and I have quite a few things in common, but, you know, as I've talked to her, there's an unquenchable thirst for self-improvement. Absolutely. Why is that? Oh, boy. Um, I think when you realize, and, and, and I'm speaking for myself, when I realize that I, when I wanted to take full responsibility for myself, and I'm still working on that because, you know, when you're, when you are codependent, it's really easy to want to project and blame and, you know, do all those things. And so, um, but when I, I wanted to take responsibility for myself and when I started to learn that I could change if I was willing to do the work, I could change my life because I think growing up, I was thinking like, oh, you know, when I was a little girl, I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, oh, I hope I'm beautiful when I grow up. <laughs> like, thinking like it was going to be was those milk the luck of the draw, you remember, right? You remember the milk commercials when like the little kid said, <laughs> right? this is your 18-year-old me. I, I remember that, yeah. yeah. The 18-year-old, I, I was like, that milk. guy drinks milk. <laughs> yeah, I did drink milk. <laughs> but I just remember thinking like, oh, I hope that these things happen to me. I hope this is my life. Not really feeling like I had, not really feeling empowered, you know. And when I started, it, it's just when you get that first taste of, I, I, you know, I learned this, I applied it and it changed me and now it's changed my reality. Like that's, that's addictive. And, um, and I think I would get into this place of pain where it just hurts so much that I thought, okay, I don't want to be here again. I'm going to figure my, I'm going to figure this out. And that's, that's my, I'm going to figure this out. So I get a question and that question is just burning. And that, that's when I start looking for the books. I start talking to people. I just start digging to learn and really understand something. And, um, and I journal a lot about it. And then, you know, luckily I have people who want to listen to me gab and talk about it. And when they hear me talk about it, then it helps me formulate like, oh, this is, you know, this is the process. These are the steps. This is because I, I don't know when I learn something, I want to be able to teach it to someone else because I would have wanted, you know, I wanted a teacher. And so, so do you I'd do it. Do you think, because we're talking about your journey to self-love, right? And do you think as you, as you really grow to love yourself, maybe even the subconscious belief or the belief, I deserve to hurt, tended to diminish. And then mm -hmm. the more you love yourself, hey, these behaviors or these thought patterns are causing me pain. So I'm going to work on this because I don't deserve to hurt. Yeah, I, I don't know if I even thought about it in terms of deservability because I did not believe that I deserved, I didn't deserve a beautiful life. I, I wanted one, but I didn't think I deserved it. So I actually really struggled with deservability. Um, and I think it came more from a place of, I want a relationship my future relationship to be amazing. I want a partnership. I want to be in a relationship where I am bringing a whole person to the relationship and he's bringing a whole person to the relationship. And I can't ask or even, I mean, I can ask for it, but how can I want that if I'm not being that? And so 
that hunger to, to reach that state of wholeness or move towards wholeness and that striving for wholeness comes from, that's what I want. Do you feel like you deserve that now? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And you know, timing, I don't have control over the timing, no, but, that's, that's um, but I, I do strive. I do strive for that. And you know, I still have work to do. <laughs> I think half the, you know, people talk about being healthy. I think the awareness that we are unhealthy and have work to do is, is you're ahead of 95%, right? Just realizing it because we're never finished products. You know, the, mm -mm. the more I work on myself, especially the closer I get to God, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is in Ether 12, 27, and we focus on the second part of that scripture, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It says, if men come unto me, I will show them their weakness. I give unto the men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men who humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, I'll make weak things strong unto them. Well, I, I know that's very true, but the first part of it is when men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. Mm -hmm. And it seems like as we grow, and I guess it's a question, as you get healthier, are you more aware of maybe behaviors you need to change that mm -hmm. if you would have realized you needed to change those a year ago, would have seemed insurmountable? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, it was a journey of even knowing how to change because again, like you start with affirmations and people are like, yep, affirmations are the thing. And those shifts, those, those were really hard. I had to develop other tools in addition to that, to where I was really able to make the shifts because it's, it changes daunting. It is, especially when you feel like there is no belief in me that says I, I, I am that way or that I can be that way. There's no belief. Um, in fact, I have a, I have a host of, I have a hand, I have a basket full or a, a life. I have a history of, I have tons of stories that tell me otherwise, that that's why you can't be that way. And, um, and those stories are so powerful and they, and you know, to rewrite your story takes work. Yeah. You know, I, I love how you're talking about the right person, right? And, and, and dating and that. And, you know, I've been told I'm, I'm too picky. And at one point, I, I probably was in certain ways, but I've been on date a long time. But, but for me, it's, it's not about a pickiness. It's about compatibility. Absolutely, right? yeah. Like, we're, we're looking for common beliefs. But if, if you're telling me I need to settle in what I believe is the most important decision that lasts for eternity, mm -hmm. no thanks, right? I will be connected spiritually. We'll, we'll connect on an emotional level you know, somewhere along the same way, and I'll be wildly attracted to that girl as well. Attraction's interesting mm -hmm. um, because I've had some women that at first I was like, she's pretty, mm -hmm. but then as the connection came, she became the most beautiful thing ever, and, you know, that kind of take care of itself. So right. I can see where that one can get in an issue if people are just so caught up in what their framework of what attracts them right at first. But yeah. but like you, you know, from, from going there to understanding that mm -hmm. and demanding it my guess is you probably don't have a lot of men push limits with you <laughs> oh man okay that's that's a loaded question um this is something that i've also learned um is because i do i i've worked really hard with boundaries i did not have really good boundaries when i first started dating sure. in fact i was 
I was really terrible. I didn't know what boundaries meant. And and then I would blame I would blame the men. It was their fault. Um, and I, I call it the dating hangover. You go out on a date and you come and you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh dear, I can't believe I went that far. And um, because I was like, that's not that's not me. Um, and it's interesting how there's like it, it's the nighttime version of yourself when inhibitions are low, when that neediness surfaces, when you're tired or whatever it is that there's a different part of yourself. And then you, when you wake up and it's, it's like Las Vegas in the daytime and Las Vegas at night, they're two different places, right? You drive down the street and lost on the strip in the daytime. And you're like, this is depressing. There's garbage everywhere. There's people living on the streets. It's, it's depressing at night. It's lit up. It's active. Everyone's excited. So you've got, I, I don't know. I had, I, I realized that I, I had to start setting boundaries because I would go out on these dates and then I wasn't in a position to say no because I was still trying to please people. And so, um, and I'm still figuring out boundaries where I have to, where I feel like, okay, I articulate it, but then, um, but then you get into the space of um, where they want to flirt and, and then I'm like, okay, so I'm flirting back, but then there's expectations. Mm -hmm. Like what are his expectations? And what are my expectations? And um, and I I like to I like to have integrity with what I'm how I'm showing up. So and one of the most you know I was in a situation where I you know I was flirting and the expectation it was communicated that because you're flirting this is this is the expectation yeah. and. I, in that situation, I realized, oh my goodness, like maybe I'm sending this message and I'm creating this dissonance and how do I navigate that? And, um, and that, that was a tough, that was a tough place to be because again, I'm trying to have integrity with what I'm saying, what I'm doing. And the conclusion that I've come to is that I, I have to keep things in a space where it's just friends. I don't know how other people do this, but if I can get to know a person on a, on a friend level, at least I'll have an idea of what it would be like to date them, yep. right? Yep. Um, because I feel like so many people have different definitions of what's dating, what's flirting, what's what their boundaries are, and talking about those boundaries, I am not in a place to trust people yet with even if I'm giving them a, you know, a verbal dissection of what my boundaries are, for some people that's conditional. And, and until I get to know a person better and there's trust because there's a friendship, then I feel like, okay, all right, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, the, I, <laughs> the, I think it was the myth of You can tell with, I'm still thinking about no, it. No, <laughs> but the myth, 12, the myth of friends with benefits was, was Wait a month, you know what I mean? Especially when we introduce physicality into a relationship, things right. get skewed. Especially as men, we lose our minds. Mm -hmm. You start feeling a lot of testosterone and, you know, red flags and different things happen that way. But it sounds like what you're doing, because I'm, I'm the same way, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not 16 years old anymore. Right. I, I, I don't need to just get action all the time. I'm, I'm fine that way. You know, and if you're actually wanting to find someone and connect with them, 
you know, the right man's going to honor that. Mm -hmm. For exactly. me, that's wildly attractive. Mm -hmm. For me, and, and, you know, I say the same thing, you know, to the next woman I date is, hey, let's, let's wait a month minimum. You don't have to worry about me kissing you. You mm -hmm. don't have to worry about things. Guess what? If, if you're wondering how I feel, it's crazy, but you're going to know how I feel because I'm just going to tell you. Right. Um, there's no passive aggressiveness. And if mm -hmm. you have a question of how I feel at any time, I'll just, you can ask me. You right. know, there's not going to be any code with when I text or don't text, mm -hmm. or I'm not going to passive aggressively try to relay my emotions. And I think that's where I've gotten to, right? Where we're just trying to get the real thing. Yes, we all have, you know, that healthy part of us, that sex drive, but it, 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 I've seen it ruin so many things mm -hmm. when it takes effect too soon. So, you know, the, re the reason I asked that question, Susie, because, you know, it, I, I, it, women that I think demand a certain level of respect, that understand things, at this point, you're gonna fall for far less bad experiences with dating. Absolutely, no question. The byproduct, and I've experienced this too, is you're probably lonelier a lot yeah, more in I, the moment. I, yeah, that's true. But at the same I'm time. Not, I don't know if I'd say lonely, yeah. but yeah, but I I don't go out with everyone that asks me. I, I, I like, <laughs> I, I like, uh, no one asked me out. I, I, well, that's not quite true. I, I like that you say not quite lonely though. You know, my therapist, when I was going through my healing after this last relationship, I was, by myself all the time and I'm like yeah. I'm, I'm lonely and he's like you're choosing to be lonely yeah. yours is self-imposed loneliness mm -hmm. you could be around people or girl if you wanted to but you're choosing to and that helped me shift some of this loneliness that we deal with mm -hmm. that I wasn't filling with constant dates with women that I knew weren't going to lead anywhere other than to get me in trouble mm -hmm. and so it, it made it not as painful right in those mm -hmm. times when instead of I'm by myself because I don't like being by myself and I don't think you like to to, hey, this is, this is the prep work. I have a very small window of time, maybe in my life, that I can work on myself without the expense of anyone else. Because mm -hmm. I only have my kids half the time. So right. this self-work doesn't affect a significant mm -hmm. other or my kids or anyone else. And I may not have that, right? Mm -hmm. I get married again and have kids. Exactly. So, so taking advantage of that. So, no, I, I yeah, I, I love how you said that, how you set your boundaries. And I think that's important for women to hear right absolutely well and i think a lot of women struggle with with believing that they deserve a partner that's going to respect them especially especially if you have a history of yielding on boundaries in fact sometimes that's if, if you feel like that's part of your history you feel like who am i to ask for something higher when i've i've been I've been just accepting this and I've, and I've already made, I've already made choices that put me in this realm. And, but I think a lot of women don't value themselves enough or they don't believe that there's a man out there that can respect them for who they are or, or they think, um, I just want someone to tell me I'm beautiful so much. And I want that validation so much that it's easier for me to lower my standard and and to not have boundaries around this in order for me to feel that validation that i'm so hungry for you know and it goes to what we've kind of i guess the theme of how this has unfolded is accepting the love you think you can deserve absolutely you know, one of one of you know not necessarily a frustration but a tough thing with dating is you know as you get healthier and, and you get honest and and when you commit you you really commit 
finding someone that's done the work that mm -hmm. feels worthy of being treated like that can be very difficult. It's hard. Yeah. Which is good. You know, that's why, that's why we talk about these things. That's why we share them. We're elevating the dating pool. Right. Right. <laughs> well, Susie, what, what, if you could name the single most powerful thing in your life to your change and the single most thing that yeah. helps you get through all this stuff, what would it be? The single most thing was the thing that I didn't, that I loosely embraced after my divorce. And that was, um, I've always had a strong connection with God and Jesus Christ. But um, after my divorce, I, I really struggled. And I struggled with my faith and I, um, and my faith, I felt was under attack, not only by just life circumstances, but um, through people who were close to me. And that was, that was really, really hard. And I, and I questioned whether or not um, there was a place for me in church. I loved God and I loved Jesus and I knew I would never give that up, but do I feel like there's a place for me? At, at church and so um, and I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and that's um, so I wrestled with that I do too <laughs> I wrestled with that and um, I remember having a very distinct um, I had a really powerful experience I um, it was it was after a we had a, a general conference and the distinct feeling that I had was that God can make more out of your life than you can. And I, because it was a mess, my life was felt like it was a mess and I knew it was going to be messy. I knew it was going to be messy because I knew right after the divorce, I knew what was ahead. I, I could see like, oh man, dating, I've got to navigate all of these things, things that I didn't even have on my plate before. And I knew it was going to be messy and I knew God was okay with the mess because I had asked him about it. But, um, and I, I was in a space that I just didn't feel that connection to him, nor even the motivation to get myself in, in the right space to be connected with him. And so I asked for an anchor and I was started to pray for an anchor. And I just said, I just need an anchor to help me. If you can give me an anchor, I'll make the shift. That was the deal. And a couple weeks later, I was, I was in the habit of meditating in my room in the middle of the day to just decompress and rest. And um, I remember at some point, I saw myself at church, I, and I don't know when it happened, but I saw myself at church with a man, and I could tell that he was committed to the faith like I was. And that, you know, I saw the image, but it was the yearning, the intense yearning that I felt in that moment and wanting that so bad and so much that I was willing to pivot in that moment. Um, you know, my, my ex went through a faith crisis. So to me, that was something that I was scared to, to reintroduce into my life. And um, in that moment, it shifted and I thought, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll go through it again if I need to because that's what I want. And um, so, you know, it's my relationship with God. He has definitely made my life, made more out of my life than I could have. And it's his, his light, his, um, it's my connection with him, my daily connection with him, where I feel like 
He's very much a part of my life, the details, the decisions I make, um, the promptings that I receive as I'm dating and navigating dating and, and raising my kids, all of that is, is so much better. It's elevated because of my connection with him. Well, it radiates. You can see it. Thank you. You can see it. You know, for me, the most important thing in anyone, and especially in a woman, is I want to see God. I want to see God in them, and God's in all of us. Mm -hmm. We all have Him there, but, you know, depending on your knowledge of what God wants for you and, and how you are, I think we have it to more and more degrees, but it's, it's, it's the most important thing to me. So I wanted, I wanted to ask that question because, you know, the title of this is Getting Your Life Back. And yeah. as I've explained, you know, it's, I, I, I realize a lot of you guys don't believe in God. It's, it's been fun doing this because I've had a lot of people, you know, I had one guy that I had posted one of my short videos and when he, st he started engaging, he wasn't rude at all, right? But just about God. But, you know, for me, it wasn't trying to get him to understand God, but just to understand where he was coming from and just to explain, you know, look, brother, if you live my life and, and if you did the things that I did in my life, I don't know how you wouldn't believe that God's not real. <laughs> I, I just don't know how, right? There's just no explanation. But I'm like, if I lived your life and, and, and went through what you did, I might feel the same. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, she's talked about a lot of modalities today, uh, the silent retreat, right? And who was mm -hmm. it again, and how can they find uh, that? It's through Lower Lights. Um, I think it's Lower Lights LLC. But Thomas Worthland McConkie, it's his uh, retreats seven-day retreats. He does day retreats too, but yeah, highly, highly recommend those. How long have you been going to therapy? Um, I started going to therapy at about a year and a half towards my divorce. Mm -hmm. And um, because I knew that the only chance of saving my marriage was if, you know, if I got better, then life would get better. So I started going to therapy and I did that and then did more therapy after the divorce. And I'm not currently going to therapy, but I'm You're basically a therapist act because, <laughs> actively are, reading books all the time. <laughs> what are you what have what have you started doing in the last little bit? Um oh man. Well I just I I love I love helping people. And I love when I've come to some conclusions or learn new things. I love offering that to people when they're struggling. Protect, particularly people who are in our situation, because there's no roadmap. There just isn't. And um, so I, I have just started doing Facebook Lives, and there are just few minute videos, and, and it, it'll either be stemmed from a conversation that I've had with someone, or I'll just have a thought and I'll just remember like, oh, I'm gonna download and write down all the stuff that I've, that, and, and teach it and share it. and. Um, it's been really fulfilling. I really enjoy offering it to, to, and I, you know, I've been told that it's helpful. Even my son's fourth grade teacher, who's married, happily married, said, I really like your videos. <laughs> He's like, I'm not in your demographic, but they're super helpful. So. <laughs> it, have they provided some perspective about your pain in your life as you've seen Absolutely, the yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot of tools that we can use to help us navigate life in a way that's, um, less messy and to help us get to where we want to go faster and so I like sharing those tools and a lot of it has to do with you know shifting your mindset 
Well, there's big things coming. I know, Susie, and I'm not going to say everything, but, it, you know, if, if, if people want to, is there a way? Do, are you willing to talk to people? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You do a lot through Facebook? I do a lot through Facebook, yeah. I've learned that the younger generation doesn't even know how to use Facebook, <laughs> so I've, I've now got uh, someone hired for my Instagram and TikTok. Is, okay. Know, my, my, my brother does that. But, you know, as I hear your thing, it reminds me of an old recovery saying, but it's you can't think your way into proper acting. Mm -hmm. You have to act your way into proper thinking. And, and I think especially with women, it tends to be pronounced because we're men get into trouble is, is they don't realize that we're just here to validate emotions, right? When I, have a, when I have an issue, I don't need you to tell me that I'm right. I know I'm already right in having my issue, right? I think completely different. I want a solution. Mm -hmm. I want it there where women typically know what it is that, that they need, but they want to understand, hey, it's, is it normal I'm feeling this way? Right. Is it this way? And so, you know, as, I, as I've worked with a lot of women, there's always this feeling, I shouldn't feel this way. Mm -hmm. Like, why, why, yeah. shouldn't, why shouldn't you feel that way? And they're like, well, I understand what I'm doing, even if the thought process is wrong. But I'm like, you can't really change the way you are just by toughing it out mentally and being mm -hmm. like, I'm going to make myself change. Oh, I did that my whole life. Right. And so I, I love the way with it because acting your way into proper thinking is, okay, I'm aware of the thought process, but hey, I'm going to go on a silent retreat. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to therapy, right? I'm going to reconnect with what you're in my sources is, mm -hmm. is, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ in order. And it sounds like as you've done that, your thinking has just corrected on its own absolutely and i've read a lot of really good books yeah, yeah. well I, i'm grateful to have Susie on here today i okay. you know for me <laughs> this is god's work and um you know i feel inadequate um in ways and humble and grateful to be able to do this work but I do not take lightly this, and I pray about it, and I turn it over to him, and if I say or do something wrong, the video doesn't render, or if someone comes on, I shoot it, and it's not the right time, it doesn't, but when I talked with Verily, Susie very early on, the impression was incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. She has a story to tell. She has a story to tell, and this is just the beginning of a platform which I think is going to take her to amazing ways, so I'm excited to see it. Thank you. Thanks, so, Kay. thank you for tuning in today. If you like my content, I have a wide range of stuff that I talk about. Um, it's not a singles podcast. It's not a religion podcast. It's not a recovery podcast. It's just simply getting your life back. Um, early on, I shared my story. Since then, I've dealt with all kinds of topics ranging from people that don't believe the same with me as far as religion or to, you know, codependency to the manipulation. So we're all over the board here. <laughs> My aim is to help. If this resonates with you, like I said, on Tuesday my podcast will launch, which was fun for me because I actually got a talk with someone asking me the questions on Project Recovery, KSL Podcasts. Um, I think it launched Tuesday afternoon. And if you like my channel, it's uh, Getting Your Life Back with Kay Cooper without a G um, on YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel. It will notify you of future content. But in the end, you know, 
we know what it's like to suffer. We know what it's like to feel pain. And for me, I've come out of that to a large degree. And the, you know, my drug at this point being in recovery is people. Mm -hmm. My drug is in a healthy way, helping people without it hurting me. Cause mm -hmm. the work I do with people now doesn't make my life fall apart, but it just, <laughs> it just enriches it. And Susie's one of those people that does that. So thank you. Grateful to have you here today. Thanks again for uh, tuning in and let's get our life back. <laughs>